0: This morning we are continuing in this series that we are calling Encounters with King Jesus. And we're using this book by Tim Keller as a resource for this series. And really this series is all about taking a long hard look at the person and the work of Christ so that you can see the beauty of Jesus against all the other things that 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 are pulling you in your life seeing the beauty of Christ is foundational to how you live your life has everything to do with how you live your life in 2018 so this morning we're going to look at two stories coming out of Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4 these verses that we're going to look at talk about the baptism of Jesus and the temptation of Jesus when Sydney and I lived in North Carolina, we lived about a mile as the the crow flies from the ocean, and so we pretty much lived at the beach, spring and summer and fall and and I, I, would, I would go to the beach and pretty much surf all day long and When the surf got big, there were times that I got slammed by a wave pulled under, spun around and around, around, underwater, and if the waves were really big and I was really getting spun around underwater, I'd be bouncing off the bottom and I would lose my sense of direction. I wouldn't immediately know where the water surface was. I wouldn't immediately know which way was up. And when that happens, the, the surfer slang for that is you are getting worked by the, the washing machine. And I think the same thing happens to us in life. Have you ever gotten caught up or caught in the washing machine of life? You are facing a situation that is so disorienting and you feel like you are getting spun. You feel like you're getting held underwater and you don't know where to turn. You don't know which way is up. You don't know where the surface is. So let me ask it this way. What washing, machine, what washing machine moment or moments are you facing today? What situation is spinning you around right now? I'm gonna give you a few seconds with this question because the good news and oh, there is good news here. But the good news doesn't make much sense unless we first grapple with and process the bad news. So, what washing machine moment or moments are you facing today? Do you have your answer to this question? Good, because here's what you need to know this morning. Here's what we get to talk about this morning. No no matter your washing machine moment, King Jesus does not get spun. No matter your washing machine moment, King Jesus does not lose the surface. King Jesus does not get turned around even when Satan himself comes against Jesus. In the washing machine moments of life that, that do come in the life of the believer, you have to know that King Jesus shows you the way. Jesus shows you how, how exactly to respond to those washing machine moments that do come as part of this life let's see that in our passage for this morning we're going to start in John chapter 3 verse 13 here's what the scripture says then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John but John tried to talk him out of it I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you he said so why are you coming to me But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said if you are the son of God jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands and so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. In this story, Jesus goes to John to be baptized. John, in, in the, the preceding verses before what you and I just read, John is calling on people to repent, to turn from their sins, to turn to God. And John was baptizing these people who were repenting and into this scene comes Jesus. And so maybe that causes you to ask, so, so if Jesus was sinless, why, why is he getting baptized here? Two weeks ago, Kurt Funk talked about Christ's first miracle. Jesus turning, turning water into wine that gives the blueprint for exactly what Jesus has come to do. To do the work of substitution. In that story, there is great need. An entire family is facing shame. Right, this family shame-based culture is not going to allow them to live down a significant social blunder like, like running out of wine at this wedding ceremony. And so to cover that shame, Jesus makes a substitution. He changes tap water into the very best wine. And that miracle is a blueprint for Christ's ministry. Jesus covers our shame and our guilt by being our substitution and paying the penalty for our sins. And a very similar kind of thing is happening here. Jesus doesn't have, have, have anything to repent, but yet he's giving us the blueprint of what he's come to do. He's identifying with these people who have come to John to acknowledge their sin. Jesus is identifying with them. Jesus gets baptized too. He's engaging in an act baptism that foreshadows his very real death and his very real resurrection. And not only does that kick off Christ's ministry, but it is an epic experience. The spirit descends, there is is this voice from heaven, and then we get to verse one of chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. You've got to know that, that in biblical language this idea of tempting isn't just about, about the temptation to do evil. Right, that's absolutely there, but also know that, that, that temptation. Right, the response to temptation reveals what's in your heart. I'm going to say that again. The response to temptation reveals what is in your heart, and here Satan is 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 tempting God, or sorry, tempting Jesus to 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 doubt God's provision, to doubt God's plan. But through these events, Jesus demonstrates just how deeply he trusts in God's provision, how deeply he trusts in God's plan. The word devil that we see here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, is a word that means accuser. This is Satan. We see that term, that name, in in, in verse 10 of chapter 4, the enemy. The one who has come to steal and kill and destroy, he is a liar, he is the father of lies. And one of of Satan's primary methods of operation, if not the primary method of operation, is to attack your mind is to attack what you believe to sow doubt. We see that very same thing happening in the Garden of Eden where Satan says to Eve, did God really say? Satan causes Eve to doubt, tries to get her to believe that God is holding out on her and Satan lies to her. And we see the exact same thing happening here in in Matthew chapter 4. Right, as Matthew chapter three ends, we get this epic statement about who Jesus is, his identity proclaimed as God's son. In healthy father-son relationships, fathers and sons are close. Fathers provide for and take care of their sons. Fathers deeply love their sons, and Satan wants Jesus to doubt the father and his, and his relationship with the father. Remember, chapter three ends with these words, if, sorry, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Satan says, Matthew four chapter, Matthew four, verse three. He says, if you are the son of God. There it is, that that seed of doubt. If you are the son of God tell these stones to become loaves of bread. You see, the very same thing in verse six, at the highest point of the temple, Satan says, if you are the son of God, jump off. These attacks are aimed at getting Jesus to doubt his relationship with God, to doubt God's plan, to take the, the situation into his own hands, to forgo the cross, when Satan tries to get Jesus to throw himself off the temple and, and if God were to save him in, in, this, in this temple complex full of Jews looking for a Messiah and suddenly this guy just lands in the middle of the temple. If that happens, these, these Jews are going to fast track Jesus to an elevated status and you don't crucify a guy like that. In verse 9, Satan tries to get Jesus to, to bow down and to worship him to gain all the kingdoms of the world. And again, that scenario plays out without a cross. And without a cross, Jesus does not die as our perfect sacrifice. There's no forgiveness. There's no salvation for you and for I. But Jesus, in the face of these temptations, demonstrates just how, how deeply he trusts in God. Trusts in God's love, trusts in God's provision, trusts in God's goodness, trusts in God's plan, trusts in God's timing. A few moments ago, we were talking about the, the washing machine moments of life. Not all your washing machine moments are caused by Satan. You and I, we make wrong choices. You and I have to live with the wrong choices that other people make. You and I live in a world that is very broken. Yet if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, you do have an enemy, Satan, who does want to take you down. And so, whether you are doing battle against your enemy Satan or doing battle against the the sharp edges of living in this broken world, the way that Jesus responds here in Matthew chapter 4 is absolutely key for you in those battles. Where does Jesus go when Satan is trying to get him to doubt God and doubt God's goodness? Jesus goes to truth, Jesus goes to scripture. Christ counteracts the attack on his his identity by going to Scripture. Christ counters those seeds of doubt by, by going to Scripture. Jesus counters the temptation to step out of and away from God's plan by going to Scripture. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's a quote coming out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And the point there is that God provides. You must not test the Lord your God, is a quote coming out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, which references the story coming out of Exodus 17. But the point there is that God can be trusted. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him a quote coming out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, and the point there is that God is Lord. Jesus goes to scriptures that talk about the very things that, want, that Satan wants Jesus to question. God's provision, God's plan, God's lordship, God's control. Here's how Tim Keller calls this out. When you are in moments of pain or shock, The things that come out of your mind and mouth are the most primal things in your being. And when Jesus was in such moments, out came the words of the Bible. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not presume to face the forces of evil in the world without a profound knowledge of the Bible in mind and heart, how could we try to face life any other way? And when we are under attack, tempted to sin, or be discouraged, or just to give up altogether, those washing machine moments of life, it's then that we must wrestle the words and promises of the Bible into the center of our being to let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. That's out of Colossians. So if we go back to where we started this conversation this morning, back, back to that washing machine question that I asked you, what washing machine moments are you facing today? Whether it's an attack from the enemy A washing machine moment caused by a wrong choice that you or someone else has made. A washing machine moment that comes from living in this fallen world. In the face of your washing machine moment, there is something for you in this passage. As your situation spins, how will you anchor yourself to what is true? How will you anchor yourself to what is true about your situation, true about you, and true about God. And I think that Keller is on to something when he says we must wrestle with the words and promises of the Bible. We must wrestle those into the center of our being. So I'm gonna ask you this, and I'm gonna need you to help me. Usually I ask you these questions at the start of our conversation. I'm gonna change it up a little bit today. How do you, how do you wrestle the words and promises of the Bible into the center of your being? Right? What does that look like for you? What, what concrete, tangible kind of things that you do in your everyday life to get God's promises and God's truth inside of you? Prayer. What was that? Thought I heard something else, maybe not. Scripture, memorization, right? Memorize is is huge. Music. I have all these lines in my head that I don't even know where they come from or who sings the song, but lines like, this is how I fight my battles. All hail King Jesus. These lines of just really good theology that just kind of play in my head at times when I need them. What else? Experiences, Experiences, right? Navigating those experiences too with friends and conversation, right? We can add to that one. The list here is a long one. Podcasts, classes, conversations like we're having right now. So if, if I were to take all of those together and draw out some key points those points would be this. You've got to slow down. We have got to make time, purposefully, intentionally make time to meet with God in his word, in music, through those experiences to see his hand at work I know it's true for my life. I am moving at 95 miles an hour and to see God's fingerprints in my life and around my life, I have got to slow down. Find truth. Whether that's in a song, whether that's in scripture, find truth about God, what he's like, his care for you, who he declares you to be and then camp out on that truth. Honestly, when, when I'm reading scripture, I'm reading small little chunks. I've recently taken about three weeks to work through a passage. It's Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14. And, and there's this, this epic experience that these people have. They are freed from slavery. And oftentimes, the washing machine moments in life feel, feel more intense when they happen directly after an epic experience. And God leads them into this situation that feels like a dead end. They are up against the the sea and here come the Egyptians and these people lose their minds. Moses says to them, don't be afraid. Just stand still. God will rescue you. God will fight for you. Just stay calm. And I have taken days to to work through what does that mean for me? Just stay calm. Because when I can't stay calm, that says volumes about my level of trust. Why why do I feel like I need to jump in and fix that situation? Why why, why does the situation scare me so much? And that gets to that, that next point. I take these questions to God and I sit with him and I poke at those questions and allow him to, in those questions, to speak to me. And then I rest in that truth. The image that I use is kind of like, you ever been outside and it's just a bone-chilling day and you walk inside or, or maybe you have a fireplace or there's an outdoor fire and you just allow that heat just to, to chase that cold out of your bones? You draw close to that fire. You allow allow that to warm you. Do the same thing with truth. Allow the certainty of that truth to warm you. To have that truth close by in those washing machine moments of your life. When the enemy attacks, when you are living in the fallout of of bad choices, when you are living with the sharp edges of, of this very broken world, And so if I take all that we've seen and all that we've said this morning and and I boil it down to this, it's these two questions. In your washing machine moments, how will you remind yourself of the goodness and the power and the love of God? In your washing machine moments, how will you rest in the goodness and the power and the love of God? One last thing, and then we're done. I'll invite the worship team to come on up. Another quote by Tim Keller that is so good that I can't not share it with you this morning, and it's this Let's rely not only on the word of the Lord, but also on the Lord of the word. We don't simply have a book as perfect as it is. We have Jesus himself who has been through fiery trials so intense that you can't imagine them. And he has done it all for us. Now strengthened with his deep empathy and power, we can come through it all at his side.